Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 65 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today we're going to offer up prayers of praise and of thanks for God's great faithfulness. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Yet wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence and make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Wherefore, I will be not negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, in other words, this fleshly body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So he's giving you a list of things, a list of virtues to hold to, and he says that if you can maintain these things, you will not fall. He says, even though you're doing good right now, I'm bringing this to your remembrance because I find it neat. I find it good edification, good substance for your spirit to keep reminding you of these things. And if you go backwards from all the things that he listed, charity, kindness, goodness, knowledge, virtue, if you bring it down to its root source, it started with remembering the promises of God. If you will constantly be reminded, and it's something that you do have to constantly remind yourself of, to constantly remind yourself of the promises of God. And if you hold true to these things, it's like the first domino in a a domino effect that helps you to stand strong and stay true. And he says, if you do these things, you will not fall. And I tell you that you need to be reminded of it regularly. And he said, you know, even, even though you're doing really good right now, I still find that it's good edification for you to constantly be reminded, to be reminded of the promises of God. So if we do these things, we will not fall. James five seventeen and 18 says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, 
and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit elijah was a man that stood firm on the promises of god there is a key point made here in james to make it absolutely known that he was not superhuman he was just like us just like we mentioned in the study on overcoming temptations he was a normal human being the only difference that caused him to be able to overcome the hardships of his life is that he was a man who stood firm on the promises of god he believed what god told him and he stood on it no matter what no matter what it looked like no matter what situation he was in he believed what god spoke into his heart all right go ahead and pull up first kings chapter 18 verse 41 from the previous chapter he goes through where he had caused the uh, the rains to stop he prayed and asked and commanded basically the rains to stop and god shut up the heavens because of the uh, the sin of the nation all right and then if you read through up until this point in first kings chapter 18 verse 41 we're now to the point where he is about to reopen the sky and bring forth the rains after three and a half years all right uh, starting at verse 41 it says and elijah said unto ahab get thee up eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain it hadn't rained yet he was speaking this prophetically so ahab went up to eat and to drink and elijah went up to the top of carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant go up now look toward the sea and he went up and looked towards the sea and said there is nothing so this comes to a point it's three and a half years later um this is after he called fire down and it burnt up the altars of baal and all of this stuff and so now they're at a place where he's like okay the point has been made so now the drought will be lifted and i'm going to call the rain back down he goes up to the mountain and he falls down in intense prayer and intercession it says that he fell to the ground with his face between his knees in other words curled up in a fetal position he was praying he was truly interceding he's like okay i, I need to touch heaven now he poured his, his heart into this prayer and he told his servant go up to the mountaintop and see and the, the servant goes up and he says there's nothing we're still in a drought and he said go again seven times and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said behold there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand so he wasn't phased he knew god had told him to stop the rains he knew god had told him that when they turned back to him to bring the rains back he went up there he fell into intense prayer and intercession he sent his servant up to the top of the mountain to look for rain clouds he came back he said mm -mm, there's nothing he stood on the promises of god god had told him something and even though there was nothing physically showing any sign that it was coming he said you know what go up seven more times because i don't care if you don't see anything the next time you go i don't care if you don't see anything the time after that i don't care if you see anything the time after that you keep going go up seven times and on the seventh time it says he looked out over the sea and he saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand that's it a fist a tiny little cloud. The servant's probably helping him pray at this point. Please, God, send this rain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he said it's about the size of a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. That's all he needed. 
He saw the tiniest glimpse of the possibility of rain. He said, okay, that's it, it's coming. He's still standing on the promise of God, even though it looks absolutely ridiculously impossible. Remember, it hasn't rained a drop in three and a half years. And a tiny little cloud comes. And he tells the king, "Go, okay, go ahead. Just, just go ahead and get in your chariot and start heading down the mountain or you're going to get caught in a rainstorm. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens were black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezebel. And the story continues. But as he began to get his chariot and get down the mountain, the whole sky turns black, and there's an abundance of rain. He stood on the promises of God. And we kind of had tied his story into the um, the lesson on, on overcoming temptation. And, you know, a major part of overcoming temptation is really trusting in God and seeking God on things. But when it comes to withstanding the trials of this life, the devil will try to weary us. He will try to worry us. He will try to tear us down. And we have to constantly be reminded to stand on the promises of God. And we see that one of the main keys in Elijah's life that caused him to be such an amazing prophet of God, the key factor in his abilities and his stories was his faith, his ability to stand on what God told him no matter what. Even if it didn't happen immediately, even if it didn't happen to his best advantage, he stood firm on it and it always came to pass. I know that every single great move of God like that always came with huge mental opposition where it seemed absolutely not only impossible but flat out ridiculous, laughable to it, you know what I mean? The, the idea to call you know, fire from heaven. I mean, these are things that there's no possible, this has never happened. Kind of like I know of you know, when it was never a flood. It's just that that makes it all the more inspiring. That that right. The more impossible the situation, the more God gets the credit for it. Oh, so God. true moves of God are always impossible. So it's always something that you really have to stand on in faith on. Right. It's something you've got to stand on the promises of God for because it's not something that your logical mind will say, this is going to happen. Right. You know, we had the, the, the same issue for New Year's, you know, when it was supposed to rain. It was supposed to rain all night the uh, year before last. You know, and I had all these people coming from Baton Rouge and kept praying. I said, nope, we're not going to cancel. We're not going to cancel. It's not going to rain till 2 o'clock in the morning because by then it'll be over and everybody will be home. And all night they kept looking at the radar. It's coming. It's coming. It's, it's storming everywhere. It's going to hit us. Nope, it's going to go around us. It's going. It would get right to us, and you could see it on the radar. It would get cut like a knife, and it would wrap all the way around us. We stayed dry all night, and then, you know, about 1 o'clock, so shut everything down. Everybody went home. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from Alexis, and you know, the kids are calling and texting and Facebook, laughing their butts off. They said, it's 2 o'clock, and it's pouring rain. <laughs> Just like we had prayed, it started raining at 2 o'clock. It stayed away until 2 o'clock in the morning. But it's, it's not a selfish prayer for our own glory. It's for somebody else to see the power and the truth of God. You know, just like, um, was it the Easter? One of them we had just had, we were having the same problem. It was storming and raining. And I said, well, we're going to let it go till right at the time because we got all these kids here and God's not going to let them down. But right when it was time to start, it stopped raining. Took them out there, gave them a lesson on trusting in God. You know, he's, he's so good like that. You know, even just before we came in, me and Ashley went sat at the park to eat some lunch and boy, the wind was blowing and it was cold. It was, it, it was nice, but the wind was cool, man. It was cool. So had it been just me sitting in the park, I would have sat there and shivered. But because it was me and Ashley, prayed and blessed the food and asked God to stop the wind. And in my mind, I'm thinking, God, show her, show her how real you are. And as soon as we said amen, the wind stopped. So there's power in it. But it's to show God's glory and not our own. Right. 
And a lot of times we don't even realize the things that we're praying. We're praying for ourselves or for our benefit or for our glory because we, we just don't look at it that way. But when we really stop and look at the things that we're praying that is for God's glory, it moves him. And he'll, he'll do things for us too, but it's like there's more of a power and an urgency in the stuff that's for other people and for, for his glory. It's kind of like I forget who it was. One of the pastors at the resting place was telling a story about this preacher, and I don't even remember which one it was. Anyway, he was saying he was, the guy was, the preacher was in his study, you know, and he was putting his sermon together, and he's working real hard, getting his notes together, and his little five-year-old grandson comes in, and he says, Papa, Papa, my nose is all stopped up. Can you pray for me? So he said, okay, he put his notes down and put his hands on him and prayed for him, you know, Lord Jesus, clear up his little nose in Jesus' name or whatever. Finished his prayer, sent him out the room back and went back to study him. He's getting his notes back together and working on his sermon again. An hour or so later, the little boy comes back in the room and he's like, Papa, you remember when I asked you to pray for my nose because it didn't work? He said, yeah. He said, well, it didn't work. He said, because you prayed a courteous prayer. So I went in my room and I got down on my knees and I prayed a prayer of fire and now I can breathe. <laughs> and that's what, that's what we do. We pray those courteous prayers sometimes, even for our own situations. And sometimes we're driven to the point. And usually it's when we get hurt for God and we want somebody to really see and know God that we're driven to that point out of that love to give up the courteous prayer and pray the prayer of fire. It's a, it's a prayer of desperation and relentless faith. Right. Everything in this world that we are in now is designed to overwhelm you, distract you, wear you out, yeah. pull you away from that connection with God. It's a constant battle to get back to that place where we're fully connected. And that's why usually it takes situations of brokenness to, to draw us there, and it's a shame, but that's really the only thing that breaks us out of the distractions and the programming of the world. I mean, there's a reason that it's called TV programming, radio programming. You know, it's all programming. It's just programming you to be disconnected. So it's, it takes an effort to, to break through that programming. And everybody's being programmed the games, yep. the Nintendo games, uh, the, the phones, computer, uh, you know, phones. You know, all of them. It's all of them. You know, it's right. That's why I encourage everybody to make it a point to set a time every day. Set a time to break away, set a time that you are going to turn the TV off, that you're going to turn the phone off, that you're going to shut everything down. Even if you have to tell everybody else, hey, I'm going for a jog every day, you know, just to get out the house and get away from everything, to get away from everybody, you need to set a time. And people might say, oh, that's legalism, that's, that's responsibility, that's discipline, that's making time for your relationship. All right, remembering Elijah, it didn't happen the first time he sent the servant, but he didn't give up. He stood on the word, sent him seven times. Even if it doesn't happen right away or exactly the way that you thought it would, stand on the promises of God. They will surely come to pass if your faith holds out. What good is faith untested? Remind yourself of God's promises often. Numbers 23, 19 through 20 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Says, God is not a man that he would lie. If he said it, he will bring it about. And no person can reverse it. No devil can reverse it. Nothing can reverse it. If God has spoken it forth, 
he will bring it about. Stand on the promises of God. This is good verses. Uh, highlight the ones I'm telling you. Write them down. And when you're struggling with something that God has spoken to you, and you're waiting to see it play out, and the devil's telling you it's never going to happen, stick your own hands in it, do it your own way, do it my way, make it happen. These are verses to quote back to him. Remember that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he did not argue with the devil. He didn't try to bring logic. He didn't communicate. He stood on the promises of God. What did he do? He spoke scripture. Every time the devil would lie, he would throw a scripture that contradicted his lie. So when the devil is throwing stuff at you saying it's not going to happen, these are good scriptures to throw back at him, to remind yourself of the faithfulness and the promises of God and to shut him up because he can't come back against the word of God. Isaiah 55, 10 through 12 is another good one. It says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but weathered the earth and maketh it bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Again, that's Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. His word will not return void. The fact that he is a creator, the fact that he speaks things into existence means his word cannot return void. Once he speaks it, it manifests change. It creates. Now that I've said that, I will make this point. The devil cannot steal or stop God's promises from coming to fulfillment, but we can choose to forfeit our part in it. If God wants something to happen, he will cause it to happen. The devil cannot steal or stop God's promises from coming to fulfillment, but we can choose to forfeit our port in it. The devil cannot steal, stop, or do anything to us that will take us out of God's will or God's plan for our life or to bring about his promises, but we can choose. We can choose to forfeit. We can choose to quit. We can choose to go the other way. Uh, Jacob and Esau is a good example of this. Esau gave up his inheritance. That was not God's will for him to give up that inheritance. He had a promise. He had an inheritance. He had a legacy. That was part of God's will for his life. He chose to give that up for a moment in the flesh. Choosing to satisfy the lust of the flesh, even for a moment, can cost us to forfeit the promises of God. He willingly gave up his inheritance. The devil didn't take that from him. God did not bring it about for him. It would have come about only except he willingly gave it up. He chose something else. Moses and the Israelites. If you can remember the scriptures, there was a scene where God was so upset with the Israelites after their little escapade with the golden calf and everything, and Moses was up on the mountains. They perpetually disobeyed God. They constantly refused to do. And he had already told them. He had given them a promise. I am giving you a promised land. I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm giving you freedom. I'm going to give you all these things. They had a promise. They refused to go to it. He's like, you're right here. Your promise is right here. I'll tell you exactly how to get there. They made themselves stiff-necked and ran in circles in the desert. 
Now, let me give you a good understanding of what that, that term stiff neck really means, and it will make you understand a lot of stuff in the Bible when they're using these references. It's in there quite a bit. For those of you that have ridden horses, and I know a lot of you have, or dealt with mules or any animal that you steer, when you get on that animal and you want it to go over here, and it's you're trying to maneuver it by causing its neck to turn in a certain direction, and it's locking up its neck, it's refusing to go where you tell it to go, it's constantly wanting to go the other direction, or it's fighting you, it's stiff-necked. It's stiffening its neck so you can't steer it in the right direction. That's what a stiff-necked people is. It's like an old mule that refuses to go where you're trying to tell it to go. It's being rebellious, and it's going to do whatever you tell it not to do. The Israelites at this point were being a stiff-necked people. So no matter where God tried to steer them, where he tried to take them, they were forcefully fighting to go in the other direction. He got so fed up with it that he told Moses, I'll kill the whole lot of them and start over with you. He was still going to bring about the promise. He was still going to get his people to the promised land, but he was going to remove their part in it. He was going to do it a different way. He told Moses, I'll wipe the whole lot of them out and I'll start fresh with just you, with a whole new people from you. They had basically become reprobate. Moses interceded on their behalf. And what did he do? This is very interesting. He reminded God of his promises. He said, oh no, no God, they'll talk bad about you. They'll say that you took your own people out into the wilderness and took them away from the Egyptians just to slay them. Remember your promises to the people. Just give them another chance. Get them there. So God said, okay, I will, but I won't allow them to enter. I'll allow their children to enter. Once this generation is gone, I'll bless their their children through it. And I love this story because when Moses starts praying and interceding, God's like, don't talk to me. Don't, don't, don't. Because he knew he was going to change his mind. He was like, shut up, Moses. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't, don't. But Moses prayed and interceded. So the Israelites of that generation, because of their insistence to not do what God was trying to help them get that promise so easily, they were refusing to receive it is what they were doing. So because of that, that generation missed out on it. The promise was still fulfilled, but it had to be done a different way. It had to come through their children because they refused to receive it. They kept trying to do it their own way. You can look at situations in your own personal life where God has given you a promise. And you can see how the devil has fought that tooth and nail. But you have to stand in faith on the promises of God. Because the devil himself cannot stop it. I don't care how many people, situations, or circumstances he sends against that promise. He cannot stop it. God will always work it out for you in the end. Even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. He will work it together in the end for you. As long as you stand firm in your faith. Because the only way that it won't happen is if you choose to let it go, if you choose to walk away from it. For example, take me and Danny. Y'all have all heard a million words given by a million different, you know, prophets and people that know us, don't know us, or whatever. We always get these words. You know, God has plans. God has this. God has that. There is nothing the devil can do that will stop that from happening as long as we walk it out faithfully. There's no person that the devil can send to stop that, to mess that up. However, me and Danny could make a choice not to walk that out. We could choose to separate, or we could choose to give up the ministry, or we could choose to do things that would prevent that promise from coming to fruition, but nobody else can. And if we were to do that, that mantle would be passed and somebody else would pick it up. But I am a firm believer that when that happens, it's never to the fullest of what it was originally intended to be. So I urge people 
to stick it out. Wait for the promises of God. And don't ever think, oh, well, somebody else will pick it up. Because even though God will still do what needs to be done to get the word done or to pass that mantle, I don't believe it will ever be to the fullness and there will still be consequences and suffering because of our inability to walk that out. So again, remember that when you're facing these things and God has given you a promise or has spoken to you or you've read a promise in God's word or whatever and you're waiting to see it play out, you will see the devil come against you. You will see him send every person, every situation, every hardship against you. Stand on the promises of God and know that none of those things can prevail against the promise. The only thing that will stop it is if you give up before you get there. If you just decide you want to pick you a little place outside the promised land and settle down, then that's where you will stay. But nothing else will prevent you from getting there. If God has given you a promise or spoken something into your heart, stand on it. Don't succumb to emotions or fear. The devil will work up your emotions and use them against you. He will use fear to cause you to act outside of God's word or will. Uh, and it can even cause you to act against God's plan to bring about your promise. He will, the devil that is, will convince you to trade God's promises for his lies. Remember, he is the father of liar. Anything he's telling you is a lie and it's not going to work out the way that he's telling you. Everything God tells you is the truth. He is faithful to the end. And it's, it's funny the way that it works. The devil will tell you something and right away it'll seem like truth. He'll give you a little bit of truth, but in the end it's a trick. In the end is the lie. Whereas with God, he'll tell you something and in the end it's faithful. But in the short term, sometimes it doesn't seem that it's playing out the way you thought it was gonna. It's kind of the opposite. You know, the, the devil's the bait and switch. God's the wait and see that I'm faithful and I'm good. So you've, you've got to have that patience with God. The devil will always try to convince you to give up God's promises for his lies. When it comes to these points in your life or in your walk where you're being tempted of the devil to give in to his lies or to give up on God's promises, and I'm reminded there's a very good song called It'll Be Alright, and the, basically the main line in that song that came forth in spontaneous worship was, if you don't quit, you'll win. You know, don't give up. And it's basically God's talking to his children saying, I know your weaknesses. I know where you've been coming from, where you're going. I knew before you even got here. I'm not surprised by you, but I'm here to tell you that if you don't quit, you'll win. And that's what it boils down to. If we don't quit, we will obtain the promise. That's right. Yeah, you have to endure. And that's what it boils down to. If you make it to the end, you will see the fulfillment of those promises. The only thing that the devil really truly has in this fight is to get us to quit before we get there. And the, like you said, the closer you get, the more he fights. So be encouraged by the attacks. And this is the way the devil works in these situations. I know because I've been through this. God will give you a promise and you're starting to see it work out. You're starting to get close to it. Oh, I can see my promised land right there on the horizon. And then he sends out the giants. You've got people coming against you, and then all of a sudden it feels like you, you went two steps forward and 15 steps backwards. You know, and you're like, oh my God, and then you're tempted to just take it on yourself. You're tempted to just step out and, and I'm so close, let me just run there. And God's like, no, wait, wait, let me deal with the giants first. Let me deal with the giants first. And he'll do that in, in your everyday life because the devil is going to try to prevent 
those promises from coming out and God is trying to tie up all the loose ends before you step into it. But if you don't quit, there will come a point where he says, okay, it's ready. Possess the land. When the devil comes against us and we find ourselves in those situations where he's trying to convince us to act out on our own or to take it into our own hands or to do what he tells us to do or to quit or to give up and just give up on the, the hope that this promise will, will ever play out, remind yourself of God's promises. Don't argue with the devil. Don't try to make sense of it. Stand on the word of God. Remember what he has told you. Quote scripture. Be reminded of his character and his faithfulness and that he is not there to confuse you, to confound you, to hurt you, to, to mess with your head. He is working it out for the best. Remember, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Second Timothy 1, 7. Remember, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Remember, Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. James 4, 8. Remember, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Psalms 34, 18 through 19. Remember, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, but the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah forty twenty nine through 31 Remember, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Remember, know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.28 and 31 Above all, remember this, for all the promises of God in him are yea and amen unto the glory of God by us. 2 Corinthians one twenty. I, the word in your heart. Sit here and just declare all of that. That's declare. right. Everybody be jumping off the walls. I know, you just can't. You couldn't feel that, you'll feel as broken. Oh, by the time I had finished, I and when I started... When I started, when I was come doing this lesson, I started, I wrote the first one. I was like, yeah, I remember this. And then they just kept coming. They kept coming. They kept coming. By the time I had gotten them all written down, I was like, oof. I'm, I can do it. <laughs> whatever. It, I, don't, I don't even know what promise I'm worried about, but whatever it is. Yes, Lord. <laughs> He's fulfilled all his promises to me, so I'm standing on it. But if there was anything, it's not there now because I'm, I'm declaring the word of the Lord. You can't quote those and not. 
feel that power and be reminded how faithful and how good he is. And that's the power of the word. That is wielding your sword against an enemy that is coming against you to cause you to give up your promised land. And you're saying, oh, no, no, no. I still have a sword. I can take you down. I'm standing and I'm taking this land. We are possessing the land that God has promised us because if we don't quit, we win. If God is going to use you for mighty things, then you have to expect to go through mighty things. These prophets that you see, the Elijahs, they had to go through a lot before they came to a place where they knew that no matter what, God's going to come through on his word. He had to be able to stand on the promises of God to call fire down from heaven and to do all these things and to stop the rain and to raise, he raised the dead, he raised the, the widow's dead son and all these things. He had to come through situations where it was so impossible that God didn't, was, didn't seem like he was going to come through so that in the end when he did come through, that faith would be there that no matter what. If you think about your life, if you never had a situation where you had to wait for God's promise to come through, how are you going to minister to somebody else that's going through hard times? When they say, why hasn't God brought this about yet? What are you going to say? Oh, I don't know, because he always did it for me like that. <laughs> you know, you must be doing something wrong. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, you have to go through those things so you can tell them, you know what? It may seem down right now, but I tell you, if he said it, it will happen. Well, and God often looks for persistence. It's not enough to just believe, but for how long? Right. How long would you like the lanes of the ocean? Exactly. God wants committed people that even if it takes 40 years, right. that the promise is coming down the road. If you don't quit, you win. That's that, that trial, that testing and temptation. The devil is tempting you to quit. God's testing you not to. And if you don't, you get the promise. Just always remind yourself, no matter how bad it looks and no matter how much it looks like the entire world is coming against you, remember that nothing can take that away from you. Nothing can stop God's promise from coming. Only you giving up. Only you walking away from it. Giving up that inheritance. Turning away from God. Other than that, it will happen. If you don't quit, you win. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We glorify your name. That you are a good, good father. You are faithful above all. You are God and you are able and unless you build the house yourself they that labor labor in vain so lord we lay down our laboring we lay down our vanity we lay down our trying to make things happen because that when we put our hand to it it becomes our will our work and we will be the ones who get glory for it in the earth but when we trust in you when we put our faith in the promises of God and remind ourselves that all your promises are yes and amen and that it is your place to bring them to pass and if we will just step back and give you praise and lift up that faith and that adoration and begin to thank you that you will do what you said you would do that you are able to bring us through and just get into position just get into alignment you will bring your promises to fruition in a way that only you will get glory for it in the end in a way that is pure and is perfect God I give you praise I give you thanks for your great faithfulness yes Lord all your promises they are yes 
and amen. But they all come with a condition of faith. So today we release faith that you can do what we cannot do. And many times you are just waiting for us to stand back so you can prove your great power and faithfulness. Lord, so we give you glory. We give you praise. We lift your name. We magnify the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, we thank you for your promises. God, we declare today that you have spoken a word of revival and reformation to the nation and we give you praise for it. We thank you that you will bring it about in the most unexpected ways. It never comes the way that everybody thinks that it will, but it always comes through the little David, the unexpected, the one in the lowest seat, the one that nobody sees. So God, I praise you and I say, Lord, Help us to believe that we not try to grab for higher things, but that we are willing to wait in the low seat until you exalt us. Lord, there is power in the revealing, but only because that it has been cultivated in the hiding. Lord, let us never try to expose ourselves out of anxiousness, but let us stand in the waiting and praise your holy name in complete faith, being fully persuaded that what you have promised, you are able to accomplish. And if we will not put our hands in it, then you are committed to do it yourself in a way that will leave us with a mighty testimony to tell. God, all we have to do is trust you, believe you, seek your face, pray and obey. Only what we have clearly heard you say with signs, wonders and confirmations to confirm what we have heard. And then you will move to prove your words. So in that do we praise, in that do we thank you, in that do we remind ourselves that if we have that faith, then we can truly say that all of your promises, they are yes and amen. And our confidence will be in your faithfulness. We will stand firm on that which we have heard from the heart of God from your Holy Spirit, and we will thank you for it until you place us in it. God, I am fully persuaded, not because of what I can do or can't do or what I need to accomplish the mission, but because of who you are, that you are the king, that you are God, that there is nothing too hard for you, that you specialize in making something out of nothing, that you love not only the hard case, but the impossible case, because this is how you prove yourself. This is how you make yourself real to the people. This is how you answer the prayer that we have been praying, that you might bring a new revelation of who you really are. We worship you, our great and mighty Lord, our King of impossibilities, our God of faithfulness and promise, our good, good Father, full of love, mercy, and compassion, our great and mighty Savior, our God everlasting, creator of all things. Oh God, you created the very galaxies. Is anything too hard for him? 
God, we will worship you in the evening and in the morning. We will dance before your throne. We will set our sights on you and you alone. How big is the problem? It is not as big as my God. How big is the need? It is not as big as my God's ability. How big is the enemy? He is not as big as my God's army. How big is the infirmity? It is not as big as my God's mercy. How big is the hurt? It's not as big as my healer. How big is the fear? It's not as big as my deliverer. How big is the problem? It's not as big as my faith. Today, you need to declare in the face of the enemy that all that you are throwing at me, it does not compare. It is not as big as my faith because it is not as big as the God of whom I have placed my faith today. I praise him in the face of opposition. I praise him in the face of impossibility. I praise him in the face of all the naysayers. I praise him in the face of doubt and confusion. I praise him in the face of all the hordes of hell. I praise him because I believe that he is truly able. God, we are standing on your promises because all your promises are yes and amen but in the process we understand that we have to have faith in them and take our hands out of it God I'm only gonna move when you tell me to I'm not gonna get anxious and step out because that is a profession of doubt I believe I am fully persuaded that even when that promise dies, I'm not going to listen to all the lies of the enemy and try to bring it back to life myself. I am going to get on my face and cry out and say, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you are a God of resurrection power and you have a timing, a purpose and an hour. And that the word of God says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Because those who come to God must believe that he is God. Which means that nothing is too hard for you. And that you can do what we cannot do. And that we need to allow you to set the stage for miracle manifestations. To prove who you are to others. Because that we have truly believed. And that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So Lord, I will have faith enough to seek you until I see the promises come through. And in the process, I will wait and I will praise and say all your promises. They are yes and amen. And today I choose to put my faith fully in them. Because that I can trust in him of whom they have been given. God, we thank you for your great faithfulness. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, 
Be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.